ask me to talk. Connection through conversation. Join self-described conversationalist Stacy Heller as she talks with guests about topics and ideas from the ridiculous to the sublime on Don't Ask Me to Talk. Now, here's your host, Stacy Heller. Welcome to Don't Ask Me to Talk. As Eric said, I am Stacy Heller and I am back from the East Coast. So, Today I'm joined by Mary Gleason. She's a friend of mine. She's an author. She's an executive intuition coach. But we will talk about her in a bit. In the meantime, welcome, Mary. Thank you. You're welcome. So if you can't listen to the show now, live, then listen to the podcast later. You can either text DAMTT to 55678 or find the show on your favorite podcast platform. If you want to connect, you can call into the show at 425 425- Three seven three five five two seven, or you can connect with me later at www.stacyconnects.com. It's ingrained in me to say www. So, I know, I, whatever. So, it's been a big week. First of all, an update. Remember last week I was complaining about how Annie, my daughter, found out on the first day of Teacher Appreciation Week that she had been riffed. Yes, everyone says collectively. Yes, yes, yes I remember. Yes. yes. <laughs> we're we're but rift, uh, reduction in Reduction in force. Okay. So it has nothing to do with her ability. It's basically the old last in, first out. Okay. So when there's budget cuts, you get rift. Yes, it's a nice way of saying laid off. Made redundant. Right. As they say in the UK. There, I, really? Yeah. Interesting. Fun facts. And not so fun facts. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Eric. <laughs> so it was a roller coaster week because Monday she found out she got the formal letter. And then Friday she got a call from HR saying, just kidding. We're recalling you. You're back. Hey, that's great. <laughs> so very exciting. So I will tell you out there whether you're thinking of being a teacher or whether you love and support your teachers or whether you're like those teachers they barely work. It is a job that is not for the faint of heart, and it is a job that is for people that have a big heart. Yes. So. Therefore, Annie is very qualified. Oh, Annie is so qualified. Okay. Now, I spent last Wednesday through yesterday with my mother Whew. in Newtown, Pennsylvania. <laughs> And you made it back alive. I made it back alive. <laughs> Hi, Joan. Hi, Joan. Hi, Lee. Hi, Diane. So, um, Hi, Glop. Exactly. <laughs> Glorious ladies of Penswood. Mm-hmm. So here's some highlights of the trip. One, I need to do a liver detox. <laughs> Hi, <Yeah>. Joan. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a thing. Um, Mom looks great. She did hurt her wrist, so I'm not so happy with the fact that um, she actually fell down in church. I know. Not a, I mean, a good place to fall down in church, but also not a good place. Because, I mean, prayers don't bring down the swelling as much as you'd like. No, but the stone floor should help. <laughs> it's cold. <laughs> uh, there you go. So... Aside from her hurt wrist, she looks amazing, and her apartment is still fabulous. I have figured out where I got my love of more is more Hmm. when it comes to art. 
man, more is more. And she still keeps finding more room. In fact, she had my brother uh, match two more photographs that she could put up because she found a blank spot. (laughs) I think she just, like, wanders around looking for blank spots. Okay. Now, all in all, she has not changed a bit in spite of it being 18 months. So she still drinks scotch like a fish. Totally happens. And then she finishes with a beer because then she does this thing where she's like, oh, I don't want this anymore. (sighs) And she gets a beer. However, what has changed is that now she's moved to non-alcoholic beer because she just likes the taste. Hmm. Right? (laughs) Fascinating. She's a complicated woman. Uh, She gets super antsy and anxious when there's too much food around. Like, she throws food away. She's like, what are we going to do with this? We should throw this away. I'm like, I could eat that. (laughs) This sounds like my mother. (laughs) I'm no longer shy about being like, I know that you're, like, portioning out the food for, like, your appetite and someone else with your appetite. But it takes a lot to look like me. (laughs) And I'm going to need more than your size portions. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. So she consumes her calories through snacks and alcohol. So that's kind of fun. Whatever. Um, she, when you're on vacation. When you're on vacation. Anything goes, right? When you're 81, you are <laughs> on vacation. I meant you, but yeah, in, yeah. in that case too. Yeah, yeah you're retired. Hey, do right? what you want. Exactly. Enjoy your life. Well, and by the way, she's going to do what she wants anyway. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's she doesn't something need else. our permission. Nope. That's something else that hasn't changed about her. Um, she still needs things done on her schedule, and she will nag you until you do it. She is relentless. And here's the thing. She's masterful. Because guess what? She would say jump. I would say in a minute. And then she would keep saying it. And I was finally like, fine. (laughs) And then I would do it. (laughs) And best of all, she is still the queen of sticking her foot in her mouth. Okay. Oh, she took my title. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, you wait. All right, Mom. I'm telling the story. So we're in my mother's bathroom. And we're talking about eye stuff because my mother has, like, she puts on her brow pencil and then with 10 little brushes, she does the brows and she has this whole process. Very OCD. Love it. I totally am with her. So I take my glasses off and she's like, wow, you have droopy eyes. I never noticed before. (laughs) And I was like, I think they're called hooded. I have hooded eyes. And I've had them for a very long time. And she said, you can do something about that, you know. And so I was like, I could. Or I could just be fine with it. And she said, well, you know, I know somebody that had that and they got it done. And it's not that big of a deal. And it may get to a point where it's like you can't see. And I'm like, well, I guess when I get to that point, I'll deal with it. (laughs) So then... I started recording this a little bit too late. I started recording the conversation on my phone, which, of course, she didn't know. And then she segued into, well, you're lucky, though. And so am I, because we have really good skin. The night before, we had had a conversation about why it's better to be plump when you're older, because you're like a grape. You fill it out versus being a raisin if you're too skinny. So I was like, oh, you know, like. Whatever. And she's like, no, it's not even because you're heavy. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> she said it's because I have really good genes and you have the same genes that I have. So, <laughs> good to know. I have good skin because of mom. Thank you, mom. And it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm heavy <laughs> and have droopy eyes. <laughs> Sounds like the complete trip home. Right? <laughs> you just got to focus on that good jeans thing. Uh, right, exactly. And I bought her a pair of jeans for Mother's Day. So there you go. So nice. who's got the good jeans now? Um, it's, apparently it's still mom. Still mom. Uh, oh, that's true. Darn it. <laughs> so I also got to see her friends, Lee and Diane, the glop, as Eric referenced them. Um, so here's the deal. They have truly, kidding aside, been a total lifeline for my very outspoken, very social Fake needy mother. <laughs> I say that she's fake needy because she is very capable, but she is enjoying being incapable. She likes being a diva. So it's fine. Anyway, they put up with a ton and they may deserve the equivalent of a Purple Heart or some kind of a humanitarian award or something. But at the very least, they deserve my thanks, appreciation and love. So thank you, gals. Thank you, Glops. Exactly. Glops get claps. Um, I also got to see our longtime family friends, the Paytons. Oh, there we go. Thanks, Eric. Slightly delayed, but uh, enjoy, Glop. There you go. That's for you, ladies. A round of applause. Um, So I got to see our longtime family friends, the Paytons. So Betsy is one of the only people that remembers a time in my life when I didn't talk a lot. And she always talks about the fact that I remember when you didn't talk at all. And I am pretty convinced that she prefers it that way. Hmm. Yep. Which is fine. That's fine. It's totally fine. I'm not bitter. <laughs> she was asking about my brother. It's fine. Whatever. Anyway, I also had lunch with Buffy, the sister that I never had until mom found a closer, more Catholic daughter who is very sweet. I am not sweet. So she is awesome. She's another person who takes amazing care of my mother, and I'm so grateful for her, even though it sounds like I'm not. I totally am. And I saw my brother. He was on the show back in December. And his wife, Skye, that was amazing. I mean, it was just really nice to see when you live far away from your family, your friends become your family. And so all of these people that are family or are by extension family, it was so great to see them. Um, Sky may or may not have consumed too many chocolates and felt <laughs> sick the whole next day. Um, and then lastly, the really exciting thing, I guess, is that um, Grace and I were talking, Grace, my daughter, who's almost 21, and apparently she has a fake ID. <gasps> I know, we're all shocked. Oh, my God. Did you ground her? I didn't. <laughs> And she chose the house, like she chose where she was going to be from. So she decided to pick Newtown, Pennsylvania, where my mother lives. And so she picked a real house that was on the market at the time because she is like, then if by some strange coincidence, like some bouncer is like, I know that house, you know, the so-and-sos live there. It's like, oh, well, we bought it. I was like, wow, that's thorough. Anyway. (laughs) She gave me the address, and I went and I posed in front of the house so that if anyone ever questions her, (laughs) she could be like, look, there's my mom. 
Okay, so now if the now new you're town an accomplice, police, oh, yeah, totally I totally <laughs> Town police are listening. They're coming for you. Mom. Okay, well, the Newtown police are the non-issue because that's not where she's going to go <laughs> to drink. She's going to drink with my mother, who <laughs> will be very happy to yeah, give her. Let them arrest her. Yeah, exactly. Arrest my mother. Yeah, there you go. So I thought that was kind of like cool of me. I mean, bad, underage, and that's not okay. And hey, kids, you shouldn't drink underage and, yeah. and all of that. Because that has always stopped kids from doing it right right <laughs> the saving grace is that i know saving grace see what i did there uh is that i know she never uses it never ever mm-hmm. she just has it in She's case decorative at this point uh, right in case she wants to go in to see like a over 21 like jazz musician or something and she wants to get in then she has it yeah that's what it's for in case so all right my stasiism this one's gonna sound maudlin it's not. Think about writing your parents' eulogy while they're still alive. I did that with my dad. And I've actually already written a draft of my mother's. I read it to my brother, and he cried. Oh, yeah. That good. I mean. Wait, was this your clap back to droopy eyes? No. I'm, I'm writing your. <laughs> I'm writing your eulogy. <laughs> your eulogy, mom. You're dead to me. It. <laughs> I'm or you're about to be dead. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay. it's, it's not. This is not my clapback. This is like written lovingly over right. the past several years. And I did the same thing for my dad. And what I found is that when he, my dad was sick. So, you know, it's like we knew that the end was imminent in terms of like years. And so writing it, I was able to write something that was out of love frustration, <laughs> like scotch, scotch um, <laughs> humor, memories, all good stuff, not grief and not focusing or romanticizing or anything else, okay. like having a real authentic thing to say about my dad. And so I've done the same thing with my mom. And as crazy as it sounds to have that done and, you know, who knows what's going to happen and to have it written out of that humor and memories and love and not out of grief, it sounds crazy, but consider doing it or at least start taking some notes. It's a great idea. I mean, you're right. Somebody dies and all of a sudden they're perfect. Right. And you go to the eulogies for a mass murder and you're going, oh, he was an altar boy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> not that Mary is equating you with a mass murderer. No, Mom. no, no. I, it was the uh, it was a tangent. I, no, I, I'm teasing. Um, yeah, I agree. And you know, I really, I remember at my dad's service, uh, the priest that had some things to say. I was like, "Who's he talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like all good things. However, I want to make people. I want them to laugh. I want them to cry. I want them to think. Yep that's John or that's Joan or whomever it is. So it sounds maudlin. It is not. You are sharing things that are about this person that you love, and it's coming from a place of love and memories and good stuff, not from grief and sadness and perfection. (laughs) So there's my stasism. There you go. All right. With that, Eric, will you take us to commercial? We'll be right back with Don't Ask Me to Talk. I'm with Mary Gleason. Yeah. 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 
Hi, this is Lisa Downs, host of Reigniting You, the show that takes a positive, forward-looking approach to mid-to-late career transitions for Gen Xers and Boomers every Wednesday afternoon at 3 o'clock Pacific. Whether you're looking to stay in the traditional workforce, do your own thing, or retire or semi-retire, Reigniting You is your source for career transition advice, inspiration, and insight for what's next in your career and life. Join me Wednesdays at 3 o'clock to get re-energized, recharged, and reignited. Hi. I'm J.D.K. Winnikin, host of This Show Is All About You. If you're like me, you seek many things in your life. Adventure, meaning, belonging, you have dreams, and you want fun, and of course, you want love. And we also want other people to join us along the path. But what happens when you don't know how to have all that or where to start? Well, join me every week to learn more about how, because I am just like you. So join me each week here on KKNW for This Show Is All About You, a show about how you and me become we and what that means for all of us. And be sure to visit my website, wordsbyjdk.com. Feelings of disconnect are the cause of an ever-surging mental health crisis. Many of us feel apathetic about ourselves, our work, home, and relationships. We don't know how to re-engage. I'm Greg Kuyper of Kuyper Counseling. At the Root focuses on emotional connection and how awareness is at the root of building healthy relationships with self and others. Join me weekly to re-engage with both. At the Root airs Mondays at 3.30 p.m. here on KKNW. Subscribe to the podcast or go to Kuyper Counseling. Wondering what's on next on Alternative Talk 1150? Check out 1150kknw.com. Don't ask me to talk. Welcome back to Don't Ask Me to Talk. I am Stacy Heller, newly recovering from a visit back east with mom. I could spend the entire hour talking about the trip. However, she will be here in August, and I will have her on. So... I am joined, as I said, by my friend. She is also, I wrote it all down, a psychic, a hypnotherapist, an intuitive, a coach, and author. She's also a lot of other things. And an executive. And an executive. Please, please. Yes, sorry. So, you are a intuitive, or you you actually, your book is called Being Woo Woo in an Engineered World. Correct. It is. Just came out two months ago? March 17th. Wow. Look at that. Time flies. Wow, it's going to be two months old on my dad's birthday. There you go. Look at that. I'll send him a copy spiritually. Perfect. There you go. And you could, too. (laughs) So so you use the word woo-woo because people don't always know how to talk about people that have these abilities that you have, that we actually all have, except that you have chosen Mm -hmm. to exercise those muscles and really bring them into your everyday life, both personally and professionally. So what would you say pulled you away from being a woo-woo with a view? And what I mean by that is when I was in Newtown visiting mom on the main street there, there was two places on Main Street within a block of each other that was set up for psychic readings, tarot card readings, that kind of thing. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting. And then there was a place there called the Salt Cave, which it's all the salt and the healing Mm -hmm. stones and that kind of thing. And I thought, interesting. It's clearly a community that is open to the woo-woo. And You've chosen not to go that route, per se. You have chosen to lean into, as you brought up, the executive intuition piece. Um, 
So what's interesting is that in most business or professional settings, the whole woo-woo thing would be frowned on, but you're trying to twist it. Tell me more. Well, there's so much more. Where do I start? First of all, I will say that I have done many psychic fairs and been in with that woo-woo crowd just fine. Um, And time and time again, the people who come and sit down and want a reading are executives. Mm -hmm. They want that peek around the corner. They want to understand what's happening for them. They have all the same questions as anybody else. Mm -hmm. So that's one that said, hmm, this is interesting. But my book starts out with explaining what happens when I stopped listening to my intuition. And everything had became justified outside of me. It had to be measurable. It had to be reasonable. And I was living into an idea of success that wasn't really mine, Mm -hmm. but I was trying to fit in. And so I got sick because I wasn't living in accordance to who I should be. Mm -hmm. And in my healing and in my recovery, boy, all that intuition just came flooding in. And part of the looking back on what had happened for me, I mean, because I literally had a nervous breakdown, and what had happened for me was I ignored my intuition. I reasoned it away. I tried to rationalize things that were a knowing that weren't necessarily able to be plotted out on a graph paper, you know, or whatever it is they mm-hmm. use. My husband gets mad at me when I still bring up graph paper. <laughs> well, it is. It's he's the, paper the engineer. With, right. It's the, it's the paper with the little squares. Right. But um, when I stopped trying to live into that definition of success and started saying, who am I and how does this work, um, things got a lot better. But I also noticed time and time again working. So in addition to my intuitive practice, I've also got a career of over 30 years of nonprofit management and consulting. Mm -hmm. And I watch over and over and over again as executives making big decisions that affect a lot of people stifling their intuition because the board won't understand, the department heads will get mad, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's leaving half your brain in the car. Mm -hmm. You have a whole brain. And so I was glad that you said everybody has access to this. Mm -hmm. It's not really a gift. It is actually something we all possess. And we either choose to use it and learn about it and call on it, or we choose to ignore it. Mm -hmm. So my husband is, hi, Mark. He is a very, (laughs) um, very much an engineer's engineer by training. Um, And he's intuitive. Of course he is. He picks out great gifts. He creates beautiful garden things. He's intuitive, too. He would not lead with that in how he learns or presents, but it's in there, you know. And I'm very dominantly intuitive, but I can also go and get some logic to support things Mm -hmm. and whatnot. It's when we rely on one or the other. We're either too grounded or we're too airy-fairy that we get in trouble. Right. And I'm so with you on that. I tend to – I say that my body – type and my intuition the way that I am is an inverted triangle it's a yeah, slice you're of pizza. very much in the upper chakras uh-huh yes I am 
because she's a professional and she has told me as much and I know that I am. Uh, you discovered that. I did discover it. You discovered it. And you helped me workshop. discover it. Yes, yes. I did. I but. have taken several workshops with Mary and I have learned every time I take one, I walk away with something new. I have to say, Stacy is my repeat customer. I said, but you've already taken that workshop. Yeah, I know. I need a refresher. Yeah, totally. I know. I got to do this again. It's just, it's so <laughs> helpful to get in touch. And this is really something with my upbringing, and you had a similar upbringing, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're from the East Coast. East and, Coast Catholic. Yep. And so it's not something that, you know, you, I don't know, my parents didn't explore it. And while my dad didn't, uh, he's Protestant, he's a wasp, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, and didn't go to church uh Actually, in his eulogy, I talked about how the New York Times was his Bible um, and his religion was my mother. And so mom is very much a practicing Catholic. She goes to daily mass if she can. Obviously, things are a little tricky. Um, She says a ton of daily prayers. I mean, the number of people that she's praying, it's like she's got to be on two hours now. Um, And so this isn't something that you necessarily grew up with, same with me. And so as I've gotten to know it more, I've learned so much more about it and the fact that, as you say, I don't think that it's, as you said, the gift. I think we all have it. It's how I'm able to articulate or share it mm-hmm. and that people will receive it that feels like it's the gift. Yes. And, you know, it's funny because my mom... Is Catholic, not as Catholic as your mom, but she's Catholic. She's up there. Um, and she embraces all of this in me. And she actually did start down the path of living into it a little bit more and scared herself. Interesting. And now, I, before you were exploring this? Or? Yeah, years ago when I was in high school. So, I mean, I've always been dominantly intuitive. Mm-hmm. The sixth sense is how I learn first and foremost. Um, and then somewhere along the way, I stopped it. And then I had to reclaim it. So I just want to say, in my household, we were all pretty much intuitive. We had no idea that it was different than how anybody else experienced the world. Mm -hmm. None. My father saw past loved ones all the time and talked to them. And my mother, uh, you know, she called it people sense. I called it, you know, reading. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) But I also want to say, coming out the other end, When I woke up from this, you know, uh, data hangover, (laughs) Mm -hmm. this constantly hitting my head against the wall, um, I didn't take that as a joke anymore. And I studied for two years to uh, learn what this was. And this is what I teach my clients. Mm -hmm. I teach them, um, you know, how does your intuition show up for you? You read the executive leadership books and, and all of that, and they, they give two paragraphs to the gut check. That's mm-hmm. a lot. And what if that's not where your intuition shows up? Great. So how does your intuition show up for you? How do you call on it proactively? How do you include it in your decision-making process? How do you uh, decipher the message? How do you trust it? And then how do you lead with it? That's what I work on my clients, because even if it's just a smidgen for you, it's Mm -hmm. there and it's for you. 
and it's for your greatest good and highest purpose. And I promise you, nothing else in your life is. Everything else in your life needs some give and take. Your angels, spirits, whatever you want to call it, God, higher power, whatever you want to call it, it's the only thing in your whole life that's there for you. Even your golden retriever who loves you so much wants you to be feeding them every now and then. Right, right, <laughs> right. Well, and that's, you know, it's something that my mom and I have talked about. And she knows that I, through you, through other mentors that I have, have learned a lot about my intuitive abilities. And for her, she is always questioning where does faith come in or spirituality or, you know, um, the religion piece. And the thing is, like, the book that you wrote, it's in part about your relationship with your intuition, your husband, and also a world that devalues what it can't understand. Yes. And isn't (laughs) that faith? It is. And that's exactly the conversation I have with many people is, after you have all the knowledge, the next leap is faith. And faith has some guidance to it. Mm-hmm. So in a religious context, there's all kinds of shoulds and oughts and rules and that sort of thing, which many people find comforting. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that, there's still your intuition that has information. Mm-hmm. And you're embracing it or you're not. And This is where you're probably going to hear from people. Don't give them my number. Give me your number. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Right. (laughs) But religion isn't necessarily spiritual. For many people, it's the rules that bring them safety. Right? And the belief that there's somebody else orchestrating things brings them comfort. For me personally, I feel like the greatest power of tapping into this is finding out how much control I have in my life. Well, and I will say that for me, one of the things that I have learned and that I talk to my kids about is with your intuition, just like with anything, you have to meet it part way. You can't, you know, expect that it's going to be taken care of by God or that your intuition is, you know, whatever. Like, you have to bring all of these things together. Well, my favorite little joke about that is the guy who's on top of his house as Mm -hmm. the floods came. And he was praying to God, come save me, come save me, come save me. And and the guy pulls up in his boat and says, hop in, I'll take you to safety. And he says, no, God's going to save me. And they come with a helicopter, and they lower the rope, and he says, no, God's going to save me. And then, of course, he drowns, and he gets to God, and he goes, why didn't you save me? He goes, I sent you a boat. I sent you a helicopter. (laughs) You know, at some point, you have to recognize it as the opportunity. And so often, we have a very prescribed way of how things are going to go and what they're going to look like when that happens, Mm -hmm. rather than the earth angels who come by in a boat or a helicopter, or whatever it is you need, mm-hmm. and throw you a life preserver. To me, that is how God works. Oh, I... Through I, all of us. So I, we're getting into a deep philosophical thing. Here's what I want to say to anybody who's listening. I, what I help people understand isn't against any religion, and it doesn't promote any religion. You don't have to have a sense of belief you have to have a sense of curiosity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
I, I mm-hmm. absolutely agree with that. From the workshops that I've seen, the work that I've seen other people do, it is, you know, you're not part of the occult. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not. Um, although maybe on Halloween you dress like a witch. I don't know. Not usually. I don't either. <laughs> that was never my thing. I dressed as a gypsy, which I think now it's not okay to say gypsy. I don't know. It's so hard anymore. On Halloween, it's okay to wear a costume and live go. into that thing. I've I mean, decided. There, there was there was all that jewelry and the skirts and the, okay. So the book that she wrote. Yes. So as I said, it's in part a book about you and your intuition, how it interplays in your relationship with your husband, Mark, who you mentioned, and the world. I mean, it is part autobiography and it is part self-help book. For Yes. yes. And that was intentional. Mm-hmm. I use myself and my relationship with my husband as the example. And then I also talk about ways to think about how different points in the book can be of help to the reader. And then I have exercises at the end of each chapter. And, you know, it's one exercise per section. It's not a big deal. They're not uh, the kind of things that's super instructive, but they're suggestions that help you get closer and closer to your intuition and to embrace it. To embrace it. Well, it's planting a seed for people Mm -hmm. to start being aware of things. And I think it's so powerful. It's permission. It is permission. I didn't have permission. When that came crashing back, I mean, living out here in Seattle, everybody's an engineer. I did not have permission. Well, and it really affected your communication with your spouse. I know that if, you know, whomever you are, if you are two ends of a spectrum, then trying to be seen and heard and accepted, Mm -hmm. both parties, it can be really difficult. And through the process of writing the book, you even had Mark write part of it or a chapter. Well, he didn't write a chapter, but he read everything and um, um, certainly made some points in that. But the funny part was that when this book came out, the first question out of everybody's mouth is, what does Mark think? And I'm just like, who cares? (laughs) No, it's not who cares. But my thought was, it wasn't about, Mary, you bore your whole soul on this paper. You have, you know, your writing is understandable, clear. I really got this kind of thing. And so how's Mark? I mean, do you think I would put out a book about my marriage and not include my husband? No. So that's why I did a whole uh, little video on my YouTube channel that just says, Mark is fine. Thanks for asking. <laughs> right. No, no husbands named Mark were harmed in the making of this book. Right, right. <laughs> and even when I was doing my book launches, I, I had him say a few words, you know, like, I'm fine. She didn't hurt me. We're all good. Um, but him reading what I had written in the earlier stages and as it developed, he said to me, I, I had no idea, no idea whatsoever. And I said, I know. And that was part of our big problem. Mm-hmm. Because is there anything on these pages I didn't tell you? And he said, no, there really isn't. I just didn't get what that meant. And then he made the big mistake. 
Oh, no. Yeah, he referred to it as my hobby. Oh, oh. Yeah. And I said, you know, hobbies go back in the box and get up on the shelf and come out on an occasional Saturday. This is how I live. Ooh, that's a hard one to come back from. Yeah, and, and quite honestly, I don't do hobbies. No, you no, don't. I do not do hobbies. If I know Mary me, Gleason. She does not do hobbies. If you see me at a scrapbooking party, call 911. I've had a stroke. <laughs> yeah, it's just not really your jam. It's not. It's not because it's very detailed. And I am. Well, he, he micro-brews beer. He does. And. He does. That's and I'm a passion ha- for him. It is. And it's extremely scientific. Right. And he's really, really good at that. And I drink the beer and tell him what a great job he's done. <laughs> See? You don't re- necessarily refer to it as a hobby. It's his passion. No, it's, but it is a hobby. He doesn't do it all the time. It's not a way of life every minute. Well, and I want to, I want to take a short break, and I want to come back and talk more about that because you, your whole work and all of the work that you do is taking all of these things that you've been talking about and putting them into play and service to other people. Absolutely. So let's let's take a really short break. And then when we come back, we'll talk more with Mary Gleason. Are you stuck in a creative straitjacket going crazy, trying to find a different way out, exhausted from trying to make old ideas feel fresh? And relevant, Popcorn and Noodle is a boutique agency that specializes in popcorning new ideas and noodling on existing ones for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Whether it's ideas about what to name a new venture, how to promote your services, or which direction to consider next, Popcorn and Noodle serves ideas that pop and stick. Don't go crazy. Go to popcornandnoodleideas.com. Creative solutions serve daily. Stacy Heller is many things. Entertaining yet enlightening. She's a talk show host channeling her inner Fallon. Like Winston Wolf, she's a fixer who gets things done with style. Practical, like Dr. Ruth. Stacy isn't afraid of the uncomfortable when searching for answers. She's your biggest fan and sees your potential before you do. Most of all, Stacy Heller is a synapse who can connect impulses and ideas about your business and yourself into possibility. To connect with Stacy, go to StacyConnects.com. Stacy Connects, it's her superpower. Going our own way every day. Alternative Talk 1150. Don't ask me to talk. Welcome back to Don't Ask Me to Talk. I am joined today by Mary Gleason. Hello. Executive Intuition Coach, and we have been talking about the book that Mary wrote called Being Woo Woo in an Engineered World. And as I said, it's talking about her intuition. It's talking about how it has come into play with her relationship with her spouse, and it's part self-help book. Now, you shared that you this is something that you've studied. It's something that you sort of dabbled in, and then, as you said, you put it away for a while, then you really had a, a health crisis mm-hmm. and a real awakening that right. I really need to lean into this. Now, in doing that, that is kind of a 180. So that must have affected then your community of people that you hung out with. Absolutely. So I will say 
the first thing that happened was, you know, I let go of a job. I let go of food because I was too sick to really digest anything properly. I let go of a lot of things. Um, and when I, what I realized is everybody in my immediate world was waiting for me to go back to normal. They were waiting for me to get better do better, and then she'll just jump right back into the frying pan. And <laughs> that was a, a struggle for me to figure out that's not going to happen and then to find the courage to say it's not going to happen and then to live into that no matter what. Right, because right? there could be fallout that they're like, ooh, I don't like this new version of you. Well, or, you know, conversations and marriages around money and things like that, it's like it's not going to look that way. Right. Sorry, sorry, um, but it's not going to look the way of that steady paycheck. It's going to look the way of contract work and that sort of thing, mm -hmm. which is very frustrating to somebody who needs to count. Yes. Right. So, um, so there was that. The other thing was is that I realized how many people I needed to let go of. They weren't being supportive. They weren't leaning in and saying, what's that like for you? they were either ignoring me or insisting that I get back to where I was. Mm -hmm. You know, let's go party. Let's do all these things. I mean, I remember saying to Mark at one point, uh, I know we got along and bonded over our East Coast cynicism. Um, and I'm no fun anymore because I'm not being so cynical, you know, kind of She's thing. She's still a little cynical. Well, I am a little bit, but not, not the way I was. And I just said, I found something new that works better for me. Mm -hmm. It's called hope. It's called clarity. It's called all these things. And that's what I want to attract more of. So um, anyway, so then I got really lonely. Mm. I got very lonely. And it took me a long time. Uh, I finally started teaching some workshops to share some of the things that I had learned. And... Um, after every workshop, at least one people, sometimes more, one person, sometimes more, they would come up to me and say, I'm beginning to know things and I can't tell anyone. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, you're safe. Here you are. And yes, you can tell someone because you have to, because this is not going to go back. It's going to get louder. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's have the right conversation rather than you stuffing, trying to stuff yourself back down, you know, trying to put that genie back in the oh, bottle. It's impossible. You it, can't. No, it just grows to be resentment. So, or sickness or ulcers or. So in letting go of all these people, I was lonely and a little bit of woe is me in there kind of thing. And lo and behold, just like the universe promises, you begin to attract the people for whom that's exactly what they like about you. Mm. So I want to say to anybody who's waking up to this sense that either they're beginning to know things or they just know whatever it is in their life they're doing now isn't right, it's okay. Trust that. Maybe you're thinking of a career change, whatnot. I, I've had clients who have come to me and said, you know, I'm not getting that promotion. And by the time we get done with work, you know, our our coaching stint together they're like uh, I know I'm not getting promoted I hate that job <laughs> it's right. not even the field I want to be in anymore right mm -hmm. so rather than getting stuck 
on what's not happening for you in a place you're not even sure you want to be in. You just think you're supposed to be there. It's okay to explore something else. You don't have to totally let go and fly around the world like a helium balloon that's been let go, you mm-hmm. know. But it, you owe it to yourself to trust that and to trust, you know, the universe does not abide a void. Yeah, no. And when you're putting out what you do want and you let go of what's not working for you anymore, the rest will come. What you do want will be there. Well, what you have an expression that you say you need to, what is it? Like, liberate to manifest. Yes. You need to liberate to manifest. Right. And so you got to, it's like what my husband now says, I need to get rid of one thing. <laughs> Every time I buy something new, I need to get rid of something. Yes. And I mean, as much as I'm making a joke of it, it's true. You need to, in order to project good into the world and to project good into your future and your choices and opportunity and all of that, you need to let go of some of the old narratives or the old conversations or ideas. Yes. yes. Thank you. Because this is the perfect lead in. If you don't mind, I want to tell people tomorrow morning from 9 a.m. Pacific time till noon, I'm hosting a workshop called Removing Barriers to Success. And I can't tell you in all of my work with clients how often that Barrier is a belief you have about yourself because it's something your grandmother said to you when you were three, right? Mm-hmm. I had a client who really believed the only place for them was the back seat. They were never supposed to be front and center, and they were getting frustrated and angry, and all they could do was look around at work and see who they're better than and all this other stuff, but nobody appreciates them. Mm-hmm. But it was his belief he was holding on to, and And when we worked through the hypnotherapy part of what I do, um, he, you know, when did, when did you know it was never your turn? When did you really begin to know that? He went back to when he was three and his grandmother said to him, it's just not your turn right now. So to a three-year-old, it became a belief and he never questioned it going forward. And in fact, he said, I barely remember even having that conversation But what he was able to do was take a look at that situation as an adult and just freeze it in time and say, what else was happening around three-year-old you? And that's when it hit him. Oh, my God. My grandmother was there taking care of the three of us kids, and my mom was in the bathroom vomiting, and her hair was falling out from the chemo. Mm. And all she said to me was, it's not your turn right now. You know, and he goes, oh, my God, I carried that like a belief. So anyway, tomorrow, doing that workshop, um, there's still plenty of time for people to register. MaryGleasonConsulting.com forward slash events. You will see it there. It's $97. I promise you, you will not be sorry that you did that. Take a half a day from work. You deserve it. Put the kids in a room. Throw them away for a little while. You'll love it. Um, And I'm also telling people that when they sign up, I will send them a signed copy of my book. And it's a great book. Well, thank you. Well, I mean. So, um, but anyway... That kind of work, those things that we hold on to about ourselves that we believe, you know. Um, my daughter's reading the book, and she got to the part where I'm talking about that. She called me. She goes, oh, my God, I can see Grandma saying that, you know. 
Well, I did a past life with you, some hypnotherapy work. And it's when I was home, I was asking mom some questions about, you know, when you do this kind of work. One thing that I want to say with whomever you choose to work with and, you know, certainly go by recommendations and, you know, do your do your work and make sure that you know that the people that you're dealing with are truly what they say and they're not selling you a bag of beans, which Mary is not. So with this kind of work, people always get hung up on the, you know, am I really going back to this place or am I really seeing this thing or could I really have been (laughs) on like, you know, a Viking ship or whatever it is. And I have learned that it doesn't matter. What matters is that when asked and guided through this experience and asked these questions, this is what your subconscious answered. So of all of the things that you could be talking about to figure out Mm -hmm. that you're on a Viking ship, like where did that come from? And so people get so hung up on the details. But is it real? But is it real? And I just keep saying, does it matter? Did you get the information that you needed? And there's a lot of therapists out there rolling their eyes. Of course it matters. And it's like, and then there's a lot going, yep, got it. But anyway, Mm -hmm. um, I do get that pushback from time to time. But the truth is, did you have an aha moment? You know, maybe it's borrowing scenery from a a pirate movie with Johnny Depp. I don't know. It doesn't matter. The subconscious is very good at calling on things that are meaningful to you that will get the message across. Mm -hmm. And it's not that different from when I do a psychic reading for people, um, that I get images and things in my head, and it borrows from things that I know that will relate to something that that person knows. Mm -hmm. Because it's a way to to validate what you've seen or what they've seen or what they've experienced. And it's powerful in that in the session that I had with you, you know, I took you back to my bedroom as a kid and, (laughs) and I was like, mom, did I have wallpaper? And she said, yeah, I think you did. And, and, you know, that's right. I couldn't remember. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, that's the other thing. When you work with somebody that's reputable, they don't like remember these things. They, you know, it's like you clear the energy. It's not your story and you just let it go. Um, Well, I keep notes, but I didn't read your notes before I came today. Well, and, you know, I was like, did I talk to myself a lot? And Mm -hmm. she's like, I don't know. You were always talking. (laughs) So, like, it's hard to, but all of these things that, you know, we sort of explored and I was asking her about from that. And I totally had aha moments. And that has affected me personally. And it can't help but affect you professionally and how you show up. Exactly. Exactly. I always say, if you are reacting in a way that's out of proportion for what's happening to you, don't be so dismissive. There is a reason. You just haven't uncovered it. You know, you can call it a trigger. You can call it whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But it's there is a reason there. And the problem is at work, it's nobody's job to care about what the reason is. They right. just want you to be approachable and that sort of thing. So it's a responsibility if you're going to lead others to know what's your stuff before you take on what's theirs or you, you know, try to project it onto somebody else. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's sort of the whole, that separation, that idea of separating the personal and the professional. It's just, 
everything that you do. Like the reason that you probably got into the work that you do is, you know, personal experiences or your, you know, your personal education or your personal story or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. So I think it's fascinating how when you talk about some of these things in a professional setting, people kind of balk at this idea of intuition. However, if you change the vernacular and you say, well, haven't you ever hired somebody just based on a gut reaction to them? They're like, well, yeah, of course. Or not hired them. Right. Or, you know, whatever. or yeah. whatever the circumstances. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, yeah, of course. You know, it's, I follow my gut. And it's like, oh, by the way, that's your intuition. That's right. <laughs> it, that's a, called a synonym. Right. <laughs> and let's talk about what the gut means. The gut can be that they're a threat to your power. The gut can mean that they have a huge ego. The gut can mean a whole lot of things. So let's break that down even further. Right. So I'm just going to back up because when I start working with people, I take them first and foremost into their chakras. And boy, is that woo-woo. You don't get any more woo-woo than saying, and now we're going to talk about the chakras. (laughs) But I can tell you the reason I do that is to make intuition tangible. Mm -hmm. And once they have that and they have the information and they understand the implications for where you feel something or what you're noticing colors, sounds, whatever, you can begin to know with greater certainty how to think about something. And that's why I say it's not just enough to know you're intuitive. You have to know um, to stop, do that scan of your own chakras in your own head. Own what's yours first before you go out. But I promise you, and this is my favorite thing to tell people, expanded awareness creates forward momentum. Mm-hmm. The more aware we are, the more we make full-brained, whole-brain decisions, right? I call it BYOB, bring your whole brain to work. <laughs> and um, the more likely you are to move forward. And when you make half-brain decisions, either based just on a vision that you had or just on the data kind of thing, they're far more likely to come back on your desk as a problem. Mm-hmm. And problems keep you stuck or take you backwards. Amen. Amen. So do you want to be stuck and go backwards or do you want to go forward? Because I can help you go forward. And what's so powerful about the work that you do is once you start to explore those things, it's like everything falls like a house of cards and it is move with with that expanded awareness. It is so much easier to move forward Mm -hmm. because all that scaffolding that you built of narratives or things that you think, you know, or ego and insecurity and all of these things they really fall away more so that yes. you can just move Well, you forward. can own it. You can deal with it, and you're dealing with the right thing. And I'm just going to say, Stacy, without saying too much, um, after the session that you had with me, getting over that, did you not feel like a barrier to success had been removed? Absolutely. I totally did. Because you, you were lighter, there, you were just lighter. Oh, so much. I mean, and I I realized that, that, as you said earlier at the top of the show, that this isn't just a gift, that this, it's, it is a skill, but it, I realized that it's a calling. It's something that I have and that there's purpose behind what we all do. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the other big thing that I've learned in life is to be in service 
with what you have. And boy, the Catholic in me fought that a lot because I was tired of hearing about the martyrs. Right. You know, I have my own bias about early death. Um, But with um, having your gifts be in service and being able to share with others what I learned Mm -hmm. and all the good things that came with that, amazing. Okay. How can people learn more about you? MaryGleasonConsulting.com. Yes, MaryGleasonConsulting.com. And oddly enough, my email is Mary at MaryGleasonConsulting.com. Yes, I know it sounds a little narcissistic, but it's also easier to remember. It's totally easier. And the event tomorrow, the workshop, is Removing Barriers to Success. Who couldn't benefit from that? Exactly. If you want to buy Mary's book, it's available on Amazon. Again, it's called Being Woo Woo in an Engineered World or go to our website. And I'll send you a side copy. There you go. And thank you, Mary. Thank you, Eric. Next week, I am joined by Brett Hill. He is a coach that specializes in the language of mindfulness. Stay connected, everyone. Not close. Not close.